This is Artists at Work, stories from people who make the arts their business. I'm Thomas Breeden. Terry Menefigao is the Director of Programming and Outreach at CultureWorks Richmond. She's also an actor, an ordained minister, a podcaster, and a writer. Gao advocates for arts and culture in the Richmond region, using her capacity for storytelling and connecting people to help build her cultural community. My natural inclination to just go to an event and just be myself and, and, and meet people and connect people, that's what I do. And I love that part of my job. Uh, I, I love going to a festival, finding somebody and dragging them over and, and saying, you do this, which matches this, and you need to get to know each other. Go over there and collaborate on something and make something great. At CultureWorks, she and her team provide resources for local artists and organizations of all sizes to drive a vibrant community in Central Virginia. We support local arts and culture organizations and artists, um, in particular 501c3s, but um, but for the most part, we support the arts and culture movement in this region. Uh, we we do everything we can to support the organizations that are doing the art, that are doing the cultural work, that are getting it out to the public. And we do that in a number of ways. Uh, we offer grants and we offer programs, which is what I do. And we offer um, ways to connect the artists with either the business world or with each other or with other co- cultural organizations like museums, so that we strengthen the ecosystem here. Our area is from Ashland down to Petersburg, from Goochland over to Prince George. It's a huge swath of central Virginia. And so we're trying to cover a lot, which is four people in this office, and it's it's pretty daunting. But um, during something like October, you actually see that like spark go off in people's eyes of, oh, hey, we can do something special. October VA is a month-long celebration of arts and culture in the Central Virginia region. It takes place in October and began after the president of CultureWorks, Scott Garka, visited a similar event in Tennessee. He went on one of the Richmond Chamber of Commerce's city uh, exchange programs where you go to visit another city and you see what they're doing and what works and what doesn't work for them. And leaders from this uh, from this area go down there to see how their region collaborates with each other, right? So he went to Nashville, the first one he went to, and they, Nashville has Artober. And so Scott thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. And he went on this trip sometime in the spring. So he went back to Nashville just to experience their Artober. And loved it and said, this is something that we need to, as a region, embrace. And so back in 2016, he asked permission to use the word October. We called it October VA for October, Virginia. And uh, and we launched it then with the full purpose of saying this is a celebration of arts and culture that happens this month in October. If you do not go to any arts or culture event any time during the year, go during our October. Go during October because this is a special time for you to go. Reaching out to those audiences that would not otherwise attend an arts event was a major reason for producing October VA for Gao and CultureWorks. Americans for the Arts did a study a number of years ago, and in their study they discovered that only one in every three Americans go to an arts or culture event in a given year. So 66% of Americans are not going to an arts or culture event. They're not going to museums. They're not going to the theater. They're not going to an art exhibit. They're not going to 
a festival every year. And so our job is to move the needle and to get more butts in seats and more people in front of that artwork and more people walking through the door of a museum. So Artober at its very base is calling all that stuff out that we already do. And it's inviting people to do something new if they want to. Or the business world out there to say, hey, we'd like to connect with the arts world because it's so vibrant here. It's so rich that, you know, maybe we can use this as our marketing tool. And that's really what Artober VA is. It's a huge marketing umbrella to, to show people really that this is such a rich region. It's not just our breweries, which are amazing. It's not just the cideries. It's not just, you know, all the banks that we have here, or all the really great industry. Our arts and culture make this a great place to live, work, and play. In the past few years that she's been at CultureWorks and involved in Artober, Gao has seen a big change in the amount of arts and culture happening in the region. Borrowing from writer Malcolm Gladwell, she calls this Richmond's tipping point for the arts. We are at the tipping point of becoming that destination place for arts and culture. Um, I think it happened sometime earlier this year. I don't know really what it was, but I know that I've pretty much got my finger on the pulse of almost everything happening in this region. And with the past two years that I've worked here, I have known pretty much everything and what everybody was doing. This past year, something changed. Something around February or March changed, and suddenly people were doing things without me knowing about them. And then I discovered them later. People were doing things without me connecting them. They were making the connections themselves. They were reaching out, doing their own workshops, creating their own opportunities for each other, and it's fantastic. I'd like to think that October has been a part of that, but we have seen just a huge change this year from last year. There was a big change from 2016 to 2017. More people were on board. More folks were wanting to be a part of it. This year, it, it's gone up exponentially. I am getting emails every day asking me to come out and put the stencil. Can, can we get on social media? Can we, you know, what can you do to push what we're doing in October? And we're doing everything we can to push it without being overload to the public out there because, you know, communications will tell you if you say something too much, it becomes the drone in the background. You want it to be called out just enough so that people go, oh, hey, I want to be a part of that. Bringing people together is Gao's main goal in her work and in her life. Above all, she feels charged with the task of guiding others into much-needed community. What people still need and what they always have needed are communities. They need each other as a support. They need each other just to be there. There's something about physical proximity and knowing you can reach out and be with another or or just to talk to that other physically there that's different than being online. And I say this because, so I'm, I'm outreach director, but I'm also director of programs. And that's, all of my programs are different. I, they, they all have a different spin. I do workshops, I do get-togethers, I do collaborative events. But all of them have the same goal and the same goal is community. I am trying to build a very large community out of a very disparate group of organizations and artists 
so that they know who each other are and so that they learn how to work together. That's a lot of what I do. And I consider it a holy task, honestly, because to create community is one of the most difficult things that we do. Her ability to overcome the difficulty in her role of community building stems from her faith in God and a deep-seated belief in the necessity of her work and her purpose in life. Her faith in arts and community began, like it does with many artists, with her first experience with the arts. When I talk about this, I usually talk about it in a theological term. I use the term call. Um, I felt called to do something. Um, Some people call it uh, just a a moment of inspiration where they feel like they're going to reach their potential. They they feel like they have a destiny, that type of thing. When I was four, I was on stage for the first time. And uh, it was the the great flannel board production of (laughs) the nativity because I went to a Christian school and it was uh, preschool. And so I was Caesar Augustus and I came up walked up on the stage, looked out in the audience, and put my little Caesar Augustus flannel board piece up there and, and said the first line in the, um, the nativity story, which is, and in those days it came to pass that Caesar Augustus sent out, all, sent out a decree that all the world should be taxed. And I think I only got the part was because I could say Caesar Augustus and I was four years old. I had good pronunciation. But I remember standing on that stage it's one of the first memories I have and just realizing that I was home and going, this is where I've always meant, been meant to be. I always wanted to do this. Many people have difficulty discovering even one calling in their lives, but Gao found a second one shortly after the first. About a year later in the same school, a missionary came and talked about his work. And at that moment, I knew I wanted to do ministry. It was just, it was just suddenly at this feeling of, well, I need to do that too. And so I spent the rest of the next several decades trying to figure out how to bring those two things together because people who were actors don't mingle with people who are religious and people who are religious look down upon the artists. And there's been a huge divide there for like the past 500 years since the Reformation. And so I've been trying to put those two together. My parents really didn't know what to do with me. They, they liked the whole she wants to go to church thing, but they really didn't know what to do in a Baptist tradition with a woman who wanted to be a minister, particularly in the 70s and 80s. That was really frowned upon. And they really didn't know what to do with this actor. My mother grew up on a farm. My dad grew up in poverty here in Richmond. He's worked a trade all of his life as an electrician. These are hardworking, practical people, and they taught me the value of hard work. And they have a daughter who has the ability to go to college and she wants to be an actor. There's no, that's not going to happen. So I majored in math and I went on to do engineering work for Dominion, Virginia Power. And I hated it. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't bad at it. I mean, I I get physics and I understand math and I, I get engineering, but I didn't like it. And then I went on to go into their human resources department and do labor relations work with them, working with the labor unions and arbitration and negotiation. And I hated it (laughs) because it was basically my job was to keep people fired. And I hated it. I, I hated it. They were offering a really generous voluntary separation package. I took it. 
and I went to seminary. At that point, I was getting a divorce from my husband, and I was just like, you know what? (laughs) Screw it. (laughs) I'm just, I am... This I am thirty years old, and this is the this is the only time in my life I'm going to be able to make this decision. I have no children. I'm getting a divorce. I'm going to seminary and seeing what what God has for me. I got there, and it was the biggest blessing of my life. I got to spend four years uh, doing theology. I discovered narrative theology. I discovered film theology, and I really kind of discovered my tribe there. These were people who embraced theater. They embraced story. And, you know, ever since I was a little kid and loved telling stories to my family and telling stories and getting up on stage and all of that just kind of gelled there. And since that time, I've been trying to find the place where that fits in this world. After graduating from seminary, she worked a string of jobs in student mentorship and nonprofit communications and found success in acting on stage and in film. Then, a few years ago, she felt called again to try her hand at a new task, writing a screenplay. I'd always kind of written things, just things for people or things for myself, but I'd never written a screenplay before. And about the time I was in my mid to late 40s, the acting gig started falling away. Uh, Hollywood and New York do not write for women my age, and I'm 54. So they, they don't write for that in-between. If I had been 10 years younger, I would have gotten plenty of roles. If I were 10 years older, I'd have gotten plenty of roles. But apparently women my age don't actually exist in story in this society. And so I found that I was not um, as employable. And I thought, well, that stinks. I think I'll go and write some of these people. So I wrote my first script. Uh, It was one of the finalists for the uh, Virginia Screenwriters Competition, which at the Virginia Film Festival, which was very cool. And I felt really validated. So I asked to join the Virginia Screenwriters Forum. They accepted me. And they have been so instrumental in, I don't know, just building that confidence and the technical skill um, and the connections to to really start writing the things I've been wanting to write for the last 30, 40 years since I was that little kid trying to trying to throw my creativity out into the world. And I've been able to do that. She's found a fulfillment in writing and in filmmaking and in her job at CultureWorks that she does not feel anymore when it comes to acting, at least not as much as she once did. I love being on stage. But it doesn't, it doesn't, I've done that, and it doesn't inspire me the way creating a new story does, or creating something for a camera does. I, you know, I, I, I find that the older I get, the more I'm able to say, you know, this once inspired me, and it's okay to let it go. Thank you for feeding me for that time. And then you know, and then letting it, it pass, you know, as, as you get older, people pass, people die, jobs go away. You learn to deal with that grief and you learn to let some things go, even though you tried really hard. I tried really hard with the acting thing and I, I made, did some, had some good success here, but I've had to let stage go a good bit. And it's okay. 
Learning to let go is a big lesson that she's learned from her career, and also that a career as an artist is a career that's imbued with conflicting ideas. There are two things you need to hold in tension. One of them is that if you build it, they will come is not true. You have a call, and simply because you have a call to do what you're doing doesn't mean you're going to be a success at it, and that is not part of your call. Being a success does not come with it. On the other hand, the other piece you need to hold in tension with that is everything's going to be okay. And if it's in the end, and if it's not okay, it's not the end. I think it was John Lennon that said that. That's the hope. That's the looking forward. But you have to be looking at your feet on the ground and getting those feet in motion to do what you need to do. I've talked to a number of young young men and young women who are like, well, yeah, I started doing this, but then I had to stop because blah, blah, blah. And, and then I had to do this because of blah, blah, blah. And then, well, I couldn't finish my school because I ran out of money. And real reasons, like I had a child, I ran out of money, I got married, I had to move in with my parents again, somebody got sick. These are real reasons, but they're not excuses. You have to, if you are, if you are meant to do something, you have to be about doing it Every single day, there has to be a piece of you that you give to it every single day to move you a little bit forward every single day, every day. And I hate to say that, and it's hard because the next thing you know, it's 10 years down the road and you've missed 10 years of opportunities. You've missed 10 years of learning. You have not missed 10 years of your life because you've spent them somewhere else. That's why I say, build it. Don't expect them to come drive them to what you need to drive them to. Get your story out there. Get your work out there. Get out there and and just sell yourself as much as possible. And if it's not working, you have to hope. Otherwise, you can't get up in the morning and do it again. Your call is not to succeed. Your call is to be faithful in the thing that you were asked to do. That is your call. And it's been a hard lesson for me to learn that I'm a great actress. I love to write. It doesn't necessarily equal success. It doesn't necessarily equal dollars or a Cadillac or a beautiful house with a hot tub. It doesn't. I don't care what the health and wealth preachers out there are telling you. It's a lie. It's not true, and you need to love it just for the thing itself and what it does to your soul. That's the bottom line. Thanks for listening to Artists at Work, a podcast from Artstitution. This episode was written and produced by me, Thomas Bruden, with special thanks to my guest, Terry Menefee-Gow, for sharing her story with me. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player, and send us a message on social media to let us know what you think. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Arstitution. That's A-R-T-S-T-I-T-U-T-I-O-N. We'd love to hear from you. We're dedicated to building the arts through storytelling. Learn more at arstitution.org.